This is another podcast of Every Voice Counts. Today I'm really pleased that I'm interviewing or speaking to Senator Kim Pate. Senator Kim Pate is one of my very special friends, a person I really admire, and I've known her for many years, even before she became a senator, as many times she would come in front of the legal committee and present on different issues, on, especially around rights of prisoners. And I learned a lot from her. I tried to implement some of the things she was suggesting. And over the years, we've built a really uh, great friendship, working relationship. And uh, recently, I traveled with her to different prisons, which I will cover in my other podcasts. Senator Pate, can you please summarize your childhood? for the listeners. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. And my childhood, uh, je suis né au Québec. I was born in Quebec. My parents, my dad was uh, in, actually born in uh, near Boston, but grew up on Prince Edward Island. He was in the Air Force and married my mom. He was stationed in France and met my mom when they were both on holidays in the south of France. My mom was from England. Uh, they moved here. Uh, my dad was stationed in Quebec. We moved all over the place. So I've had the privilege of living in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Ontario, Quebec, and Nova Scotia, as well as in England and in Germany. And so I've, uh, I think it's a tremendous opportunity as a, a young person to have experienced different cultures, different ideas, different thinking from a very young age. Wow, so you've really traveled. You've mm-hmm. traveled right across that country. But not just traveled, you've lived in those areas. What a great way to be in a federal position representing all Canadians. Uh, You have a good foundation for sure. Where do you think you learned the most when you were growing up? Well, I think um, the fact that I was the eldest of four girls in a military family without any boys meant that I had great opportunities I might not have otherwise had. Uh, The fact that we traveled all over and I, I was able to experience different cultures I learned a lot. I often think of my first awareness really of what I would think of as social or economic justice issues was uh, being in Spain actually and for the first time ever seeing children begging in the streets. And my my dad um, thought it was important for us to understand how unequal life was. I mean, we were essentially working class and so you know, com- compared to the people we were seeing had more privilege, but even so, he wanted us to understand. So he he took us to the slums in Barcelona and ensured we saw the conditions that some people lived in. I mean, now we have homeless people all throughout Canada. At the time, it wasn't something that we would necessarily have known. And so it, it created, for me, the first awareness of the fact that we have uh, fundamental inequalities and that if you start in an unequal place, you're more likely to continue to experience that inequality even as you grow up and have fewer opportunities than if you start in a more privileged position. So, Senator Pate, in, this, in the Senate, I've seen you look at many issues, especially minimum wage, basic income, many social justice issues, but you're very much involved in prisoners' human rights. And where did your drive for prisoner justice come from? 
Well, I think part of it came from the fact that as I was growing up, there were people who I knew very close to me who were criminalized and imprisoned. I lived in communities often where there had been economic downturn. When I was in BC, I lived on Vancouver Island in the Comox Valley at a time when there was a slump in the in the lumber industry, in the coal mining industry, as well as in the fishing. And so suddenly the main um, income from the area was from the Air Force Base where my dad was stationed. And I don't think it's an accident that very few people who I went to school with ended up in college or university. Um, many of them ended up on social assistance. Far too many ended up criminalized and imprisoned. And so that started to open my eyes. And then when I was at university, I met people actually from William Head, one of the jails we have visited together, uh, who were volunteering at the same place I was volunteering as a law, as a not as a law student, as a university student. And I quickly became aware that the big difference between them and me was that I had had people in my life who had really advocated and encouraged me to think that I had um, that I was entitled to other opportunities and even within my own family I have um, family members who didn't have that those same opportunities and so I think that's really where it started and then as I started going into prisons in law school it became very clear that it wasn't a function of who caused the greatest harm who ended up criminalized and imprisoned, it was who had the least advantage. And, you know, who had the advantage of getting a good lawyer and who didn't, right? Exactly. And who exactly. was represented well. It's all That's about right. that, right? Access to justice yes, as well. absolutely. Yeah. How did you and how old were you when you began working with people in prison? When did you go into prisons? My first trip into a prison, I was in my early 20s and... Uh, and the, I went in uh, largely because I was a student and I was doing work on independent research on youth uh, issues and then adult issues. And I used to think, uh, when I first started working with young people in custody, I thought I was so much older than them. Most of them were only five, six years younger than me at the time. And when I think about that now, I realize it, that, again, it really underscored the difference in the opportunities I had had and what they had. And so... Uh, so I was fairly young, and it's been more than 40 years since I first went into a prison. What did you learn from your work in prisons that you've been able to bring to the Senate? Well, it's very interesting that, um, as you mentioned at the outset, most of what I was doing uh, before I came to the Senate was what I think of as literally trying to pull people out of the unfair system. I don't call it a justice system. I call it a criminal legal system because I don't think it's very just at this stage. And... The, what really attracted me to the Senate was the people who came to me, particularly groups of Indigenous women who I was working with, who said, this is an opportunity for you to work on longer term issues, and this, the issues that you are always trying to frame these discussions in. So things like um, post-secondary education access, free health care, dental care, pharmacare, housing strategies, guaranteed livable income, instead of the approaches we have now like social assistance, which is criminally low in every province and territory in this country, and which actually keeps people in poverty and costs us far more economically, but also in terms of human terms, than if we invested in people. And so that really was the attraction to come to the Senate and to keep doing the work, is to really pull back a bit and say, 
how do we how do we actually make a more substantively equal country, breathe life into our charter of rights and freedoms, and then provide opportunities for people to actually not end up in those situations? Senator Pate, what was the most valuable lesson you have learned from the people in in prisons that you worked with? Oh, I think humanity, love, caring for people, um, and there are very few people I have met and had the privilege of working with who um, I would not welcome into my own home. And many, you know, each of us is capable of doing sometimes some pretty horrible things. We, you know, I had a friend once say to me, um, it's easy for a princess to have grace and be kind. Uh, but I have experienced incredible grace and kindness and generosity from people who have virtually nothing. And so that has taught me a lot about, um, you know, that if we provide opportunities for people to rise to different behavior, they do. And without, you know, the only people who I would say that has not happened in my experience have been people who have significant mental health issues, who have experienced horrible trauma and may um, therefore have significant mental health or addiction issues. Uh, but that's a small number. There are a lot of people who we, uh, I, was, I used to say warehouse, but that we relegate to prisons because we don't take care of them in the first place. And so uh, that's been a huge learning for me, and it's meant that I, uh, I feel that we have to work better on providing supports for everybody. So, you know, when you talk about that, not this time around, but a few years ago when I went to prison with you, uh, I visited the women's prison in my province. Um, I saw so much grace from the women. Uh, and, uh, you know, you were right. It was just uh, the women were amazing, you know, and obviously they related very well with you, but with us as well, others who were on that trip. And so I, and I, I get what you're saying, and I wish more Canadians could see what you are saying but you know when you were talking about humanity and um we'll cover this in another podcast but you know we are not very human human humane mm -hmm. to prisoners you know and maybe some people think we don't need to be but i remember my senior partner mr thomas dome saying you know we don't throw the key out mm -hmm. sooner or later most prisoners come back into society we don't prepare, we take away, we rob people of humanity. And so what, what do you, where do you find the energy and dedication to continue this work for so many years when it's so grueling? Well, I do think it's the hope and the inspiration that people who have been in that system still demonstrate every day that inspires me to do better. I often say sometimes I find myself in the depths of despair or in you know, real rage, internal rage about the inequities that I see. And I try and focus on getting to the place of action. So if I can see something that I did really disagree with that is really disheartening, really enraging, um, just staying stuck there doesn't help them or me. And so uh, try to find like-minded people like yourself and others who will help work and bring collective action to move us forward in a positive direction. You know, when you say that, I, I saw that, you know, the last time we went to Kent uh, a few weeks ago and how they'd said they'd got rid of separate, separate, you know, separation and then we saw the SIUs and I saw the rage in you saying, well, it's the same, it's just a different name now. And so I understand what you're saying and I really do know that we have a lot of work to do. But, you know, you decided after 30 years of working in prison 
you have a wonderful story as to who encouraged you to become a senator. And I would love for you to share this with the listeners. Well, a number of people encouraged me. It was people, Indigenous women who were inside. It was people who had been involved with the RCMP who I'd worked on harassment cases. It was uh, women, actually senators, former senators and staff who worked here. And it was one of the women who I first met when she was in segregation in, a, uh, in actually one of the prisons we have visited, Matsqui, who said, you know, really, this is an opportunity for you to give voice to people who don't have another voice in Parliament. And if senators' jobs is to represent minority interests, who more than people in prison who don't have a voice? And so really encouraged me to go there and also said, and remember, once you get there, senators, members of Parliament, and judges have a right of access to prison so they can never kick you out again. And so I, re I remember, and um, that was Gail Horry, and uh, sadly she passed away in August uh, of this year and uh, was a great inspiration as well. And you know, visiting prisons with you, I've seen the absolute respect that many of them have for you. And, uh, you know, uh, I can look you in the eye and say to you that your presence here has changed our senators. Definitely many of us think about prisons. I remember as a young child going to prisons with my mom. So I, my mom used to really, you know, tell me they're all human beings. So we need to treat people as human beings. And many times that is forgotten. And you certainly are going to be here to remind us of that message. And, you know, uh, how have you been able to continue work at the Senate? And, you know, how do you transform what you were doing before into the Senate? Well, I try to use um, the knowledge that I was fortunate to gain to inform the discussions, the debates. Uh, but most importantly, I think it, you know, if if it actually does help uh, sensitize people, that's great. I think the best sensitization has actually happened from what you and uh, you know more than thirty other senators have done, which is come to prisons and actually meet people. Because it's one thing for me to talk about it; it's an entire other matter for you to experience it firsthand and meet with people, people who work in the prisons as uh, staff, but also people who are in prison there and gain your own understanding. And that has also enriched my thinking. I mean, I can't tell you how many times the questions that our colleagues ask when we go into the prisons inform me to think about, okay, I didn't think about that issue. And so, so that, I think that's very enriching. And then I learned so much about how do we how do we combine these issues so that collectively we can work to create a more just, equal, and fair society? Now, what do you think is the most pressing issue with regard to prisoners' human rights in Canada? Well, I think prisons were an experiment. They were brought in to replace the killing and the maiming of people. And just as we came to a conclusion that segregation was inhumane and can amount to torture, I think we are on the cusp of realizing that to isolate people instead of to build up resources in the community, both to prevent people from going to prison, but to assist them to integrate, is going to be vitally important. And we've seen that during the pandemic for people, many people, and I suspect we're on the cusp of turning a corner and saying, okay, that was one experiment. If any other system failed as abjectly as our prison system, we would have revisited it long before now. I think we're on the verge of revisiting 
how we deal with folks in this country and, and internationally. Yeah, um, many times, you know, um, people think that our prisons are soft, you know, we are too kind and, you know, like going to you, to prisons with you, I, you know, and also otherwise people think that um, we are very humane in how we treat prisoners, but it's not really true. So there's still a lot of work to do. And Senator Pate, you know that you have the utmost respect of your colleagues and the work you do, and it's been my pleasure to interview you. And I'm sure we will have many more. Thank you for doing this. Thank, thank you, Senator you. Pate. Thank you very much. Thank you.